Hello again, and welcome to the Online Education Pod, the weekly podcast about online and digital by Zuma. This week, we're focusing on customer experiences. And I don't just mean all the online stuff like service pipelines and customer portals. I mean physical face-to-face experiences that are designed to make the customer or a potential customer feel good about a brand. That's why I've invited my colleague Annika Eriksson to join me on this week's episode. She recently became a project manager at Zuma, but before that, she's worked with exactly this kind of thing, creating these really memorable and impressive customer experiences for one of Sweden's biggest car manufacturers. You'll have to listen to the episode to find out which one. We spoke about the effects that these kinds of experiences can have on a customer or a potential customer, what your company should focus on when trying to design a really high quality experience, and how you can take lessons from physical meetings and apply them to your online presence as well. Let's get started. Welcome, Annika, to the Online Education Pod. Thank you, Doug. Very exciting. Yeah, great. It's um, You're a totally new guest. I thought we needed some fresh blood, I suppose, in the podcast we've had. Uh, last year, there was a lot of... Um, and the Sestellan episodes, which is very nice, but uh, there's an awful lot of them already that we have. And uh, Tobias and Daniel have become fairly regular guests, but um, I thought I would uh, get someone new in for a change as well. Yeah, and it's a new experience for me as well. Yeah, you've, you've never uh, starred in a podcast before, right? No, no, no. Okay. I'm sure it'll go well. This feels like a good start, so um, <laughs> let's get cracking. I thought today we would talk a little bit about um, customer experiences. And, um, you know, often as Zuma, when we've spoken about customer experience before, we talk about customer experiences online. How does this contact form work on a company's contact page or something? But obviously, probably when most people hear this expression, they think of actual experiences that you experience in the real world. And that's why I invited you on, because I know you have a bit of background in that. So maybe you could just explain a little bit about your past yeah, I have a background in both, actually, because <clears throat> many years in PR and marketing where sometimes it's about launching a new car and it's very sort of uh, hands-on, physical, experiencing uh, the car. But I did also uh, launch the first websites uh, at Volvo, and that was all about then trying to um, adapt uh, great physical experiences to the online world. Uh, which in many senses people are still trying to do. But then, of course, when you did this in the beginning, it was very much sort of relating the same kind of processes that you have physically into the uh, digital world before you started to see all the added benefits that you could get from an ongoing relationship rather than a sort of uh, single point of action that didn't really have any continuation. But then I also worked with uh, physical experiences quite a lot the last uh, years and that was uh, quite a lot about credibility I mean it's credibility even if it's online or offline doesn't matter but when it's the type of customer experiences that we did where people come to visit Volvo it's probably the only time in their life they do this we have to make sure that this is the best experience ever uh, for that group that particular hour, that particular time when they are there. So everything we did have to be with that mindset that even though we do this five days a week, eight eight hours a day, anyone who comes here only comes here once 
and whatever experience they have when they leave, that's what they carry with them. That's what they tell their friends. That's what they tell their colleagues, etc. So a lot of it had to do with making sure that whatever it is we decide we want to introduce them to in terms of different focused areas within the brand, it had to be credible. It had to be done in a way adapted to that particular group or particular category because you can't uh, sort of uh, meet people if they're uh, in eighth grade in school and then coming to Volvo to visit the factory you can't address them in the same manner that you do with a group of suppliers who've worked with the company for 15 years and know quite a lot already so we had to make sure that we adapted the message to whichever group was there and always sort of gave them the feeling that this is the first time we're telling this and we love being able to tell you this story <clears throat> and that was all about the people who worked I mean the the brand communicators as we call them the ones actually delivering that message to the people in front of them they had to carry that whole feeling of addressing this specific group because if you come there and you feel like you get a sort of very generic experience and it's the same for anyone they don't really care who I am that wouldn't be very good Mm -hmm. So we put a lot of effort into making sure that every guided tour, every visitor group got an adapted experience. Uh, so there was um, as much as we could adapted mm -hmm. to that particular group of people. Yeah, I think it's quite hard because it's kind of hard to uh, define, I imagine. Because again, going back to the online thing, when we talk about an online experience, then it quickly gets quite practical. Like it's how quick does the page load and that kind of thing. Whereas with this kind of thing, you're trying to reflect some kind of brand values in like an actual experience. And it's a bit more hard to, to put your finger on. Well, yeah, but there is a, there, I think there's a great connection between how you do personas because then you decide <clears throat> that's a generic description or a collective description of a group of people or a wanted type of person it's, it's kind of the same that we did because we actually we only divided them into i think six categories you're either a student supplier customer potential customer but that's basically everybody who's not already a customer um, private visits and internal visits people from within the company so those who are the different groups and that's what we tailored it to you can't do it for every specific you can always adapt a little bit for each specific but we had these six major typing sort of so kind of like personas mm. and how uh, how would how would things differ between say potential customers and suppliers what was it that you wanted to instill in each of these groups i guess um when if it was suppliers coming we wanted them to feel that when they left they really wanted to continue being suppliers to feel that they have a good relationship with Volvo. If it was students, we wanted them to feel that if they were in the at the age where they have to choose uh, their continuous uh, studies, choose something that you you have you I mean which is useful if you want a job at Volvo. Uh, if you're uh, a bit higher up in the ages and you're actually sort of going over to uh, to possibly start working. Uh, we want you to apply for a job at Volvo. So then we wanted to convey that this is a really great place to work. If it was uh, 
uh, a dealer who came with customers. It was all a lot about instilling confidence in the brand and get, giving them the feeling that they're seeing something that maybe not everybody gets a chance to see. So it's kind of a little bit of VIP. So it's, it's, it's really not that difficult. You just have to look at whatever activity it is. In our case, it was people coming to Volvo to do a physical visit. Look at it through their eyes and see what would I want to have from this? Why am I here? Mm. And then sort of create the adaptions after that. Yeah. It's, um, it seems like the thinking is uh, quite similar when you compare to designing kind of online experiences. Um, and, uh, and you did some of that as well, didn't you? I did, yeah, but that was a, <laughs> that was in the early mm. the early ages of uh, of the internet, and back then it was more about the wow factor. <laughs> yeah, it was all about getting as many clicks as possible. I mean, it was visitor stats at its most crude version. Not and and you didn't have the way where you can continue the relationship in the way you can now with CRM systems, etc. So it was all about getting as much exposure as possible not really being able to have that go into a process. I mean, Volvo, of course, worked with CRM systems and, and funnels and whatnot already then, but you couldn't really connect that from an IT point of view. Um, still probably a challenge for many to connect their online offer to backend systems, um, and which is super important, I think, because that's really when you start doing whatever it is you want to do with your target group. Mm -hmm. I can uh, kind of miss those, uh, you know, early internet uh, <laughs> days. You know, I, I used to work for a industrial company that um, on an old version of their website had little games, like little flash games, mm -hmm. you know, like arcade games, which, you know, I don't know who they were made for, but I guess the idea was just to have something a little bit exciting, you know, and a bit... Um, yep. That's the thing. I mean, it's, this is more anecdotal than anything, but I remember going into budget meetings with my colleagues and I was the only one who worked with the online stuff. And I would have like a huge uh, list of things we're probably going to do, sort of. And they were used to we're doing this for that model and we're going to do this for that model. And it's all very sort of planned. And then they looked at me and said, you have no plan. No, I know, but it's because we don't actually know technically what we will be able to do in six months' time. So how can I make a plan? If I make a plan and then a new technology shows up and I'm not going to do that because I have a plan, that's not how it works. And that was that was quite difficult for um, my somewhat more traditional colleagues to, uh, uh, to realize that that's how we had to work. Because we, I mean, this is at the time when java was new uh flash was new there were so many things that came that that all of a sudden we could do something technically that we actually couldn't before and some of it ended up becoming cars driving across the screen with a message and other things became the first streaming uh, live stream in europe ever transmitted mm. so you know some was just small and fun and some were a lot bigger yeah yeah just to go back what we were to what we were talking about with the um, different groups, um, the visitors and how uh, the approach was tailored for each of them. Like that's something you can clearly translate to um, online as well. But uh, I don't know, maybe it's been a bit harder to understand uh, typically for companies that 
you know, if you're trying to create an experience online or just give information, then you need to focus on what's relevant for the visitor and maybe not what you would want to share. Like, as yeah. you know, in, in your example, it would be like, you know, giving a group of school children the same uh, tour or presentation as you would to, you know, a group of um, car dealers or something like that. Mm. No, it's all about, I mean, it, it really is the same thing. If you don't <clears throat> know who's coming and, and why they're there and what opportunities that give you, then you can never utilize it or maximize it or um, you can never fill the full potential of that possible relationship because you, if you don't care who's coming, you have no idea how to tailor your message. And today you really can tailor it already when I first, you know, go on a site. It, it could basically, I mean, tailored to languages, for instance, or whatever else, uh, cookies or tags or whatever they might already have on me. Um, so I think there's a lot more you can do with tailoring than is already being done. Then, of course, you have the backside of that people who don't want to be pre-identified or identified at all, etc. Mm -hmm. But if that's a choice you can make, then it's not a problem. Yeah. I usually try and get some kind of tips or takeaways in the pod. And I, in this case, I think it would be, um, obviously, you've we've been talking about Volvo, which I presume has quite a large budget for this kind of thing. But maybe if you're a company and you're trying to create some kind of real life experience, maybe now that the pandemic seems to be over and stuff like that is back on the menu again. Um, I suppose what's the what should be in your focus even if you don't have perhaps uh, the world's biggest budget to... You mean for your online presence? Both, I suppose. Online and uh, physical. Yeah, I really. think, I mean, if, if you have less money to spend on it, make sure you spend it right. So spend some time, some time on identifying who it is you wish to communicate with, how to reach them, what would they like to hear, to become interested and to stay talking with you. So don't sort of just go everywhere. Identify who you want to address or who it is you want to be interested enough to come to you and then focus on that. Sounds easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of depends on what business you're in, I'm guessing. Easier but, said than uh, done. <laughs> you know, if you have a business where you can clearly identify your, your preferred target groups or... Uh, then do that. Mm. Not all mm. businesses can do that, maybe, but if you can, do it. Then yeah. spend your money there. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to have you back on in another episode in future. Look forward to that. Great. I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Online Notification Pod. To get more, just Google the Onlineification pod and you'll find our site, zuma.agency. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or on the podcast app of your choice with the RSS feed. See you next time.